Hey everybody, and welcome to The Good Vibe Nurse. We are your hosts, Mika and Jessica. The Good Vibe Nurse is here to shed light on the reality of what it's like to be a healthcare worker and frontline responder in the world today. We're here to speak the truth about the standard of care, revealing the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be prepared to have your mind blown. We will provide you with a handful of tangible and practical tools to reduce your stress, create balance, and find joy in your life again. Jessica and I will share our real-life experiences as caregivers and dive into the unhealthy mechanisms we lean on. We will share our stories about breaking free from addiction, toxic relationships, jobs, emotional addiction patterns, and the programming that once dictated our every move. We will give you the tools to start making conscious decisions, reduce anxiety and stress, and live in the moment, making the best life for yourself. If you need a place to let your guard down, feel safe, free from judgment, criticism, and shame, this is where you want to be. Hey everybody, bear with us on this first podcast. Um, As we made it through the whole thing, we realized after the fact that our microphone was on mute. So you will hear the quality of this first podcast is not so great, but we're going to roll with it and next time it'll be better. Here we go. So we are really, really excited to be here. We have both been um, wanting to put something like this out to the people we care about. Another way of being a caregiver to the community and the colleagues and peers around us. And the Good Vibe Nurse isn't... The Good Fight Nurse isn't um, just us. It's you. It's the listener. It's about those people who want to be a healer and bring that back into the care um, that they have for their patients and their colleagues and themselves. Yeah, I was telling Jessica earlier, I am really excited for this. I know you all have been asking about it, when it was going to start, and here we are. I think this morning um, didn't come without a little anxiety and... Then I had to kind of shift my mindset and remember that anxiety and excitement are the same reactions in our brain and just remind myself how excited I am to bring this to you guys. Yeah, I had to talk to my therapist. (laughs) I had to talk to my therapist and prepare myself um, for the vulnerability, even though it's what I want to do and what I've been planning to do. I still had to fortify myself a little bit to be brave enough to show up and start this of course yeah yeah. we've had to talk about perfectionism and having (laughs) to put that to the wayside you know we all have something in us as a protective mechanism to uh stop us from doing the thing and we're not going to let it stop us anymore (laughs) no and in fact just so you know listener we will not even be editing this except for to add music into it and to add breaks where they need to be so this is just us showing up raw and real Yeah. So we're going to start with Mika's story. Mika, so tell us, how did you, how did you end up being sitting here across from me doing this podcast today? Well, I mean, really how it came about was you asked me about this. And it's funny because I had been thinking about it for a while. But what got me to this point of my healing, I think is the real question and where I changed my way of nursing and changed my way of life. Um, I think most of the people that are listening to this, at least from our workplace, know that I got sober three years ago. Um, I was at a pretty low point. I was using alcohol to numb, you know, my unhappiness, my unhappiness at work, my unhappiness at home. Um, just not knowing, not even knowing who I was. I had a pretty trauma-informed uh, childhood. And I didn't realize how much I was covering up and how much I was using, you know, alcohol to just stay numb. And I didn't see it as a problem. I saw it as a way to cope and to get by. I was, you know, proactive. I got my BSN. I went to work every day. took care of my kids. There was no problem, right? But at the time, um, you know, there was a lot of resentment. My husband, I was a binge drinker, so when we went out, I just got toe up, toe up from the flow up. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, anybody who asked me to slow down or, or stop, I was like, yeah, watch me. And I went tenfold. So mm-hmm. he asked me to stop. And it's hard to say this and hard to look back and think this, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't like, 
okay, I, you know, family or alcohol, it, there was a contemplation phase. Mm-hmm. Pre-contemplation, contemplation, you know, stages of change really set in. And it took me a good week to even make the decision to quit for my family and for my marriage and for really the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, it wasn't easy either. Mm-hmm. I started going to counseling to start to deal with a lot of my childhood trauma that I had known. Um, and then got really, really involved in work, put everything I had to distract myself from my pain into work. Mm-hmm. And there was a huge, um, there was a huge weight I, the, the scale was way out of balance. I was out of balance. Um, I had everything invested in that and not in my family and not in myself at the time. And there was a lot of attention-seeking behaviors. Look at me. Look at my accomplishments. Um, looking for people to care about me to fulfill that void that I was feeling because I didn't love myself at the time. I even went through like a semi-identity crisis, for sure. I call it like my... I don't know, it's 33, a third life crisis. <laughs> and uh, I dyed my hair dark and, you know, changed the way that I looked at things, the way that I felt, the way that I dressed, whatever. Started getting into my crystals and started getting into meditation. And that was huge for me. Um, the talk therapy wasn't the greatest. Uh, I mean, it did a little bit for me, but I realized that there was so much more. So I then started to dive into, I started to look for a PTSD and trauma therapist um, and dove into that and really dug into my past and my patterns and why I was impulsive, why I had lack of focus, why I drank to numb out my feelings, why I was in fight or flight all the time. Mm-hmm. That trauma-informed brain, you know, it's hard when you're in it to get out of it and see it from the other side. Mm -hmm. And some of the huge things that I realized while doing this work was, number one, I chose this work to perpetuate the cycle of stress. And that was a huge light bulb moment for me. Holy shit, I'm on another roller coaster so that I can be comfortable because Mm -hmm. this is my comfort level. Stress, adrenaline dumps, you know, just ups and downs, ups and downs. And that's what trauma was. That's what sexual assault nursing was. That's what, you know, your patient being on the brink of death, the adrenaline rushes. Mm -hmm. And so that made me really start to take a look at, like, what I was doing in my life and how I was going to start to change things. And I dug really deep into my past and into starting to try and change to make a healthier life for myself uh, and start loving myself. And at that time, um, what I did was I was doing meditation. I was doing um, binaural beats, which help kind of synchronize your brain right and left side so that you can become more focused and relaxed. I did um, the hypnotherapy. I even took a 16-week structured personal inquiry course where you dive into your emotional addiction patterns. Mm-hmm. So, like, mine was the fear of abandonment. My father left when I was really young, um, and he never wanted me around. All these things, you know, it created a lot of fear in my life. And then after that, you know, a lot of other bad things have happened to me, and we'll probably dive more into that story at a different time. But things that really affected the way that I looked at myself my belief systems, the top five people I hung out with, like that you are the sum of the top five people you're around. Mm -hmm. So really let that sink in. Like really let that sink in. Think about the people you surround yourself with, the top five people you surround yourself with. Are they happy? Are they positive? Are they Mm -hmm. pushing towards better in their lives? Mm -hmm. Are they pushing you towards better? Or are they negative and they holding you back? And that was... It, it was pretty crazy to see where I was at and, you know, start to kind of change that. And just the, like with the awareness of what was going on in my brain, because we're so, um, we're in that subconscious brain that 
programming. <laughs> like it is a programming from your childhood. So you come into this world a pure, clean slate, and these beliefs and um, systems get put in into your programming, right? Yeah, and absolutely. then at some point you realize, wait, I have control over this. Mm-hmm. I can change my thoughts. I can change my thinking. I don't have to be stressed all the time. That's not normal. Mm-hmm. I at the at that point I had um, pretty much chronic fatigue and uh, definitely had adrenal fatigue, and that was something I had to start healing. Um, you know, I said about the the whole work addiction thing. At that point, I believe I was in a manic state. I was up all the time. I My body started to reject itself. It was sick. It was sicker than I had ever been, you know, with alcohol. But I thought my mind was getting better, but I needed to do all the things and work on the mind, body, spirit. So I got through those courses. I was doing group work and um, started in a mastermind course. By the way, my hypnotherapist, Laura Weber Garrison, is amazing. She is the unicorn that probably saved my life. <laughs> um, awesome. So I was in mastermind um, workshop or group on Wednesday nights, and I was thinking, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do with this? And, you know, what I learned is that with our pain, we passion is pain we find our purpose and what was my purpose and you know is is my purpose an ER nurse is it an IV lounge nurse is it like a sexual assault nurse or or what am I going to do how am I going to help people with you know sharing my experience to help others yeah and that's part of you know what we're doing right now here today and um so I started, I found um, the nurse coaching program. Actually, several girls from the ER had done the nurse coaching program and sev- and other coaching programs. And it's a board certification, um, transformative nurse coaching. And I also dove into peer recovery specialist. And that um, it, you get to be a peer helping others. Yeah. in recovery, you know, you're standing side by side. I've been there. I've experienced this. I understand. And that's, you know, part of the reason now why I like to be in SECU yeah. so much is because I can take the time with those patients and plant those seeds and share my experience. And I've had several of them in the last couple of weeks say, we know it's genuine. We know yeah. you've been through it. And oh, that's so beautiful. It's so, yeah. so wonderful to hear. I mean, that is what we do it for right there, to hear right. that your health matters in my life. Yeah. And you're making a difference. This guy that I thought was, like, totally so far gone and very labile, up and down, I, you know, was even a little nervous. And I don't get very nervous to be out there with them. I think a couple of the girls were staring through the glass because he was screaming and yelling. And I just sat there and I talked to him like he was a normal person. And I said, I can see that you're upset. And I'm here to help you, and this is my job, and if you let me, I can do that. And we kind of talked through it, and he, like, stood at command presence, you know, or, um, so, what is it? When they salute. Yeah, they salute. And he was um, a veteran. So you could tell there was a lot going on. And he stopped and he said to me, I was going to give you a compliment, but he's like, well, you know what? My dad always told me it's never too late to give somebody a compliment. And he said, you know... I know that it's different. It's a different kind of struggle, but I know that you've been through it and you're genuine. And I was, I like turned to look at him like, wow. That's really powerful. Even through what he's, what's going on in his life, he was able to experience my empathy and compassion. And that's what I want. I want other people to see that there is a, is a way out and you can enjoy life and you can help others and you don't have to struggle alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me is letting all of you out there know you are so not alone. Yeah, you are not definitely alone. Definitely not alone. Everyone is going through something. And that's where on this podcast that we're going to bring forward vulnerability and sharing some things that some people might not want to hear, might make you feel uncomfortable, might, you know make you make you feel triggered but 
that's what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. Because when you're triggered, that's where you know there's some work to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> yes. And I feel happy and blessed that I'm at a point in my life now that I can see those triggers as blessings and dive deeper mm -hmm. in those areas where I'm not defensive and I'm not angry mm -hmm. and I'm not a victim anymore and I'm not, you know... Right, yeah. blaming everybody else. Absolutely, and that had so much. I was surprised how much that had to do, or how much it affected my life at work. What mm -hmm. affected me when I was at work too. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I found out that all of those things matter. And you said, I mean, it was such. It's such a brave place to be when you're in the emergency field. You're, you know, you're an emergency room nurse. You are strong as hell, and yet it's such a brave place to realize that the stress is not normal. Mm -hmm. The stress is not healthy. And no matter what they say, you're too sensitive, you need to suck it up. The ones who never cry are not the strongest. Or you care too much. Yeah, none of that's real. You know, what is real is that you feel how you feel and that's normal and that's real. Mm -hmm. And no one should tell you that that level of stress um, and the life and death you deal with should be something to just gloss over and moved on about for the rest of your life. Yeah, or an expectation, yeah. It's such a brave place to be right there. Yeah. So you said, um, so what were some of the first steps? What did it look like when you said, okay, this is the moment I need to change? Where did you turn to first? Uh, I, so at the time, you know, we were still working through a lot in our marriage because there was a lot of resentment with just things that we hadn't dealt with yet. And I stopped the process of trying to work on my marriage mm -hmm. and said, before I can do anything else, I have to take a look at myself and I have to dive deeper into what, how I, how I play a role in what's going on here. Because at that point I still was in kind of victim mode, but I was starting to have that realization that a lot's happened to me and I also have a lot to play in it. Like the fear of abandonment, trying to push people away so that I could fulfill the prophecy or fulfill the the cycle of abandonment, it was um, very eye-opening. And so that's when I started to dig in into mindfulness practice. Um, that was huge for me, just being able to sit with my thoughts, be with myself, yeah. self-compassion, number one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what is self-compassion? Yes. You give so much of yourself to everyone else. Everyone, we do it every day. Another thing that we probably get from our childhood, right? Oh, yeah. Like, you become a caregiver. Mm -hmm. I was a caregiver. Yeah, we convince ourselves that if we give enough care, it's going to fix everything. And, and everything's going to be fine. And that's how we're going to get love, right? Mm -hmm. Right. That's how we're going to get, you know. Love, admiration, respect, friends. Yeah. If I take care of everybody else, if I make sure everything's okay, if I hold it all together. Mm -hmm. And that was my um, oh, coping mechanism. Yeah. Holding it all together, that one gets me it's, in the gut. It's a type. <laughs> it's a, it is a type. And I think that a lot of us, ER, ICU, front, first responders, we are hold it all together type. We have yeah. to. Oh, yeah. And then what do you do when you break down? Yeah. And so. And what do you turn to? Yeah. There's enough. There's. There's. We don't talk about this in our fields. No. People don't talk about this. And we're not talked to about it when we're being trained and yeah. told what to expect. They don't talk about how, you know, you're going to be messed, you're going to be fucked up, and that's yeah. okay. No one ever says that. They say, don't be fucked up. One of the first things that, you know, because my brain was, like I said, I was in like a manic thing. I yeah. was going to do all the things. I was going to create all the programs. The first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to, so at the time we had a peer recovery coach mm -hmm. in the ER to help our patients that were maybe overdosed or were having some issues with drugs and alcohol or mental health. And she came in and she helped. And honestly, she became one of the biggest resources for our nurses. And That's she's amazing. a huge reason why I became a peer recovery coach. But at the time I was like, we need this in every ER in every ICU, in every police station, in every fire department, we need a person 
that we can go to that is not affiliated with the organization. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So that you can say what you need to say. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to do. And that's mm -hmm. what we want to do in our support groups, too, is like, we're here so you can come and say what you need to say. Yeah. Hey, I've been drinking way too much lately. Hey, I've had an issue and I'm now not with porn. Hey, yeah. I have this going on and mm -hmm. I feel really guilty about it. Or mm -hmm. I'm having all this negative self-talk. Where do I turn to? Mm -hmm. and, and we've all got something. Yeah. There is something that we're, I mean, look at the fields we work in. Look at what we see. There is something that we're dealing with. And this is the place that you can come and talk about it and get that support. Definitely. And you don't think that the high achievers have the same problems? Mm -hmm. If you think that, you're wrong because I can tell you the doctors, the, you know, the letter chasers, all of those are also looking for validation mm -hmm. for achievement and just to be seen, you know, and it's another form of addiction. And until we can get into that balance in our lives mm -hmm. and appreciate, you know, what we have and start to enjoy everything you know I don't know just all all the things around us then and that space is there mm -hmm. that that space of joy that isn't dependent on the patients that you've had that day it's not it doesn't depend on your interaction with the colleagues it's it's yours mm -hmm. and it's yours alone and it's there and that's something I didn't know before and that was a huge huge realization that I wanted to be like Look what I found! Everybody right. join me! <laughs> and not everybody wants to jump on that boat. No, they're like, what What? What, what, what boat are you on? What's a boat? <laughs> what do you mean? Where are I you? just over here drowning and I like it. I think, yeah. I, think I like it. It's familiar. <laughs> I'm drowning. Yeah. Well, we want to yeah. help. We want to throw the life raft. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. the way to put it. Yeah. For, for sure. sure. Yep. For sure. And, I, yeah, I think that that was one of the places I started. And then, you know slowly through mindfulness practice, meditation, um, changing my way of thinking, gratitude. I was doing the three good things. I started that in the ER a while ago. Um, and that's the gratefulness uh, practice you're doing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it starts to shift your perspective and your way of looking at your job. And like you said, like the, the whole thing about joy, it's yours and nobody can take mm -hmm. it away from you. Yeah. And once you have that inside of you, and I want to be very, very clear here. It's not like we go around and everything's rainbows and fucking butterflies. <laughs> I promise you that. Works in progress. Promise you that. Yes. <laughs> and that's where we're also here to learn from each other and to learn from listeners and to learn from this experience to continue our growth because one in progress. <laughs> and if anybody tells you differently in their lives, they're lying because we all we all struggle even the ones that look like they have it all together there is stuff going on and it's just the finding the tools and the resources to work with what you're going through is the biggest thing mm -hmm. and I started to do some shadow work which was huge for me which was recognizing and finding my shadows the um, triggers the defense mechanisms the coping skills, the things that I used and befriending them. And that way, when they came up, I could say, thank you for protecting me before, mm -hmm. but it's no longer necessary. I got this. Yeah. And there's so much power in that. Yes. It, it was such a huge realization, like, you know, the people pleasing and the, the defensiveness and the not being able to take uh, constructive criticism and you know those were just things that were protecting me and they maybe helped me as you know a child and but now that I'm an adult and I see my worth and I mm -hmm. can allow myself that space and take that time to step back I don't have to uh like fall into that trap every mm -hmm. time I get triggered right. I can take a minute and yeah so it's mm -hmm. been those have been some of the biggest things that have helped me on my journey. And then just being pushed, having a tribe is, mm -hmm. is fucking huge. Mm -hmm. Like having a community and a tribe and somebody to hold you accountable and push you forward, um, 
has been one of the biggest things for me because there's always that fear of failure and that perfectionism that has pushed me to like, well, I just have to get this finished before I do this and before I produce this or before I have the workshop, I need all these things. And it's like, you know what? We learn from our failure and it's not failure. All it is is just a message to what something can be tweaked or changed. Yeah. And changing my outlook on failure. Yeah. In air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's um I mean it's possible to change. We or you know, we use the word changing a lot or change and changing a lot, but um it's not so daunting as and, I used to think it was yeah. now that I've put it into practice. And my favorite quote by, again, my hypnotherapist, Laura, is with awareness, change is possible. And that is so true. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you don't know. And you won't hear it until you're ready to hear it. So once you, like, if you guys listen to this and nothing rings true to you, that's fine. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some people like, that That rings true. I never thought about it that way before. And you're ready and you, you know, you may want to follow and see some of the things that we've done and mm-hmm. start to try different things and, you know, give yourself a break. Practice self-compassion and oh, love. Yeah. Most yeah. important thing. I mean, self-compassion is just, if you don't have it for yourself. I mean, that's what, and that's something I realized at, um, at work, something we deal with is, um, you know, we don't get along with every colleague. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a big mix of, diff- of human stories in there and people that are living different lives. Um, but I found that when I was being mean, it's because I was really talking shit to myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was projecting it big time on other people. And I got really angry for a while. And really what it was is I had no love and no compassion for myself. So how in the world could I have it for anybody else. I'm so glad that you said that and brought that up because I I see that and I understand that and I I hear people's stories and I think you know they're talking shit, they're saying negative things about mm-hmm. other people and the things that and the things that bother them and piss them off and what I've learned in my life is exactly what you said. And actually, I had this patient, another patient, I remember he was in 401, and it was at the beginning of my healing journey, and he was telling me about how he met God or spirit, Mm -hmm. and he, we started talking about, you know, blame and this and that, and and he said, when you point your finger at someone, you have three fingers pointing back Mm -hmm. at you, and I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I started to look at that when I was pointing at somebody else. Well, that looks like I have some work to do there. Absolutely. Oh, you don't communicate well? Well, how do I play into that? Mm-hmm. Am I communicating well? Gosh, yeah, that was a big one for me. A big one. Um, yeah, yeah. I had to realize that my communication was crap. And I really, but I wanted so much to be better. I, I just thought I was great. <laughs> I didn't even, like, realize that there was a want there. I was like, no, I don't have a problem with communication. This is not my problem, it's yours. And there was a lot of that for, yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Um, so the self-reflection is huge, mm-hmm. um, and it's hard, Yeah, but it's huge yeah. to be able to take that mirror and look at yourself and say, how do I play into, you know, any of it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so how about you? What, what got you to the place of, I need change? Yeah. I need something yeah, different. Yeah, just let me wipe the sweat off my hands and we'll get in this. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I moved to Florida to get away from, um, my father. I realized at 30 years old that I was this massive enabler of the abusive home and abusive parent that I had um, been around my whole life. So I moved down here and I have these goals, you know, I just become a nurse, but I I got, you know, working in an ER and I'm like, I'm going to be a charge nurse. I'm going to go far in this space. I am going to be strong. Mm-hmm. I am going to just keep plowing through, keep plowing through. Um, and then a year after being here, my father was murdered. And when I came back from his funeral, I went back into that mode. I was like, what you got to do is you got to get work done, get work done, get back on your goals, oh, get please. refocused. So the very first thing I do, I applied for a charge nurse job. What the hell was I thinking? 
Uh, I mean, I know what I was thinking. I was thinking, okay, this is going to make everything better. I'm going to accomplish my goal, and I'm going to accomplish it early because I've only been there a few years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I got it, and believe me, I sold myself. I sat in there, and I, I studied for this interview. I was like, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. I show up that interview. I look at the, uh, the director running it, and I say, I can be exceptional for you. And at the time, I mean, I really thought, I really thought I was going to be, I was willing Mm -hmm. to be exceptional. And then I got it. And then my life completely crashed. Everything that I'd been coping, using to cope, everything that had been just churning my life, it just came to a head. And... I very quickly, very quickly as a charge nurse, I mean, I realized I didn't know how to communicate with anybody because I didn't know myself. I didn't know how to be confident telling you that, um, you know, hey, I think the SMH may need this kind of behavior or maybe this um, done for it. But how do I tell you that when I don't even believe what I'm asking you? And how do I? And then I started freaking out like, oh, my God, I don't even believe what I'm doing. How do I do that? And I couldn't, I couldn't even communicate with myself, is what I realized. Do you feel in that time that you were in, you were still in people-pleasing mode? Like it was so hard much. I wanted everybody to like me. I wanted to do a good job. And I went to Larry Face's classes, and I was like, hell yeah, I'm ready. No. There's <laughs> only such a small part, because I still hadn't looked at me. I still hadn't looked at my life. I was just... I was just uh, plowing through these goals that I thought were going to make my life better, and... And I needed everybody to like me to get that goal done. And also, so you didn't have to feel the pain yeah, that you were going through. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, because, and so then I even started avoiding um, patient rooms. I, uh, very quickly after this realization that, okay, you, there's something, I didn't know what, mm-hmm. but something started this massive disease in my body, this massive chaotic sound and it felt like my skin was crawling when I went to work when I had to talk if I had to go ask somebody to do something as a charge nurse my skin would crawl and my heart rate would pick up and I'd be in that flight or fight and boy I wanted to fucking take flight I wanted to get the fuck away from everything that I had to do and and one day it really culminated when um you know a code was was taken by the charge nurse desk and I was going to ask you if you think that the trauma of losing your father too and not being able to, in the time, give yourself the space to oh, heal gosh, and deal yeah. with that was hard than going into the rooms of patients who were close to death. Absolutely, and it came up with the very first trauma mm-hmm. that I had um, because I, I there was an inkling before I took the job. When I was up in Ohio, I saw my dad's dead body is, is murdered, open post-autopsy body, and I felt nothing. And it took a while for that to sink in. I was aware of it, but it took a while for it to sink in because with it came the knowledge that everything I've done has been so unhealthy, mm-hmm. that all I wanted to do was care for people, mm-hmm. but somehow it turned out so unhealthy for me mm-hmm. and therefore unhealthy for the patients I was trying to take care of. Mm-hmm. For my colleagues, I was trying to lead, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I don't know what i got to do, but I've got to get out of this, because I'm not going to heal here. Mm-hmm. Whatever's happening, I'm not going to heal here. And again, I knew one of my massive issues was, you know, something was happening in my personal life I needed to look at, and then professionally, I realized I wasn't able to communicate mm-hmm. in a professional setting, and then I was being triggered. So then I got a call and offered a job in um, patient flow, and I was like, hell yeah, Dark office, nobody around. This is great. Let's go. And what I actually did was place myself right smack middle in a high stress job that required me to learn how to communicate. Yes, on a recorded line, no doubt, on a recorded line that can be viewed by listen to anybody at any time. But I had to learn how to communicate. Isn't it funny how if we don't choose to do something ourselves? The universe oh, yeah. will do it for really us. Really did, really did. And I said no the first time. I was like, no, because I, I, I applied and I was like, no, I'm going to stay where I'm at. That's the safest thing I can do. Just keep keep plowing to my goals. Mm-hmm. And then something happened. I got really disheartened again. And I was like, no, <laughs> just big no. So I took the job and it landed me smack where I really needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I get into that job 
and I have nothing to do but think, 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 and look at myself, and think, and look at myself, and, oh, things got darker at home at first, so here, so I handled work, Mm -hmm. I was out of this life or death stress situation, I found what I felt was a safe place, and now everything in my personal life started rearing up. I think... I feel that and understand yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the universe is really like, uh, you're ready. Let's go. Let's just hit it head on like you do everything else, I suppose. Um, but yeah, things are really dark. I mean, I at this point, I knew that I just destroyed all my goals. And I knew I was never going to work as a medic again. And that was really hard at the time because this is my passion. I thought, even at this time, I thought someday I was going to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd be a leader in emergency medicine. And then I realized, okay, <laughs> So that's not your path either. Um, so I got to the point, and and this is where the radical vulnerability comes in. I got to the point where I was sitting in a dark, small bathroom. I didn't want anybody knocking on my bedroom door, let alone knocking on that bathroom door. I was just sitting there just uh, watching TV or you know, numbing out to anything I could numb out to, even if it was just reading a book in there, anything to find space and... And it all culminated, um, you know, one day, I, how do I explain this? I'd always been around darkness, mm-hmm. around people who chose to wield darkness on others, mm-hmm. but I never touched it myself mm-hmm. until I did. Mm-hmm. And I almost hurt my child, mm-hmm. you know? I was, she, it was really, it was a really scary moment. I do want to say that I think down the line that we should do a podcast on healing and as a parent. Yeah, um, <laughs> for sure. It's, it's huge. It's yeah. a huge thing. And I I'm, appreciate the vulnerability and I want to hear the story and I want others to hear the story because I, I have similar ones about, yeah. you know, it, it's hard because you're healing from the love and the compassion and the nurturing and the safety that you didn't get. Mm-hmm. And you want to be different for mm-hmm. your children and you want to be a uh, a different person, but it's really hard because you have to teach yourself to give it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you didn't get it, how do you teach yourself that? <laughs> right? right. 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 So I, I'm sorry for interrupting, but yeah, I yeah. definitely want to make sure we come back to that. Yeah. But you yeah. were at a place. And yeah, I scared. I the way of, I, I got angry at my daughter, and um, you know, I almost hurt her in a way my dad hurt me. And so in that moment, I realized I, I touched a darkness and I had a choice. Was I going to stop or not? Mm-hmm. And like you said, I hadn't really, I, I didn't really continue to contemplate it. And it was a few days later when Jared, you know, my husband, he looked at me and he said, you're too angry and it's got to change. Mm-hmm. And I took that to heart. I mean, here was a person I trusted mm-hmm. that I chose to have children with and chose to be my partner. And he was looking me in the eye and being vulnerable enough to say, you have to change. And I'm not a bad person. Mm-mm. So it took a lot for him to say that to me when I do try, but I wasn't trying in the right areas. I wasn't mm-hmm. looking in the in the right shadows mm-hmm. or even at the shadows at all. I was just looking full steam ahead, full steam ahead, full steam ahead in the future, not the present. Didn't look, it wasn't healing the past. I wasn't looking at the present. And so um, it was a few, it all came pretty fast after this. It was a few days after that. Um, I was in a place where I was open to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister messaged me and she said, hey, check out um, Headspace Guide to Meditation on Netflix. Awesome. Yes, <laughs> Changed that one my there. life. Yes. Changed my life. We'll put that one in the show notes. That's a big one. You guys need to check it out. It's huge for uh, beginners with yep. meditation and mindfulness. Massive. Practice. It's massive. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's, it's a monk um, does this and, and he, it's like 22 minute episodes in the first 12 minutes are the science, mm-hmm. the actual science as to why this works. And as a nurse, I needed evidence-based right. science to tell me why I needed to go in this way that seemed so foreign to me because I didn't grow up, um, you know, thinking about emotions. I mean, I was emotional, but I had no one telling me that emotions have, emotions matter and why they matter and how you deal with them. They're normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're they're normal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, more often than not, I was told that I was being too emotional, even at a young age. And I remember saying, but these are my emotions. How can you tell me to change them? Um, But yeah, so I listened to that. And I mean, meditation um, just kickstarted everything. 
every bit of awareness. And I just got curious for the fucking truth. Mm. Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel this way at work mostly when I go to work to care for people? Why is it so hard Mm -hmm. for me? Why do I have such resistance to this when I know I care Mm -hmm. enough to show up? Mm -hmm. But showing up wasn't enough because I wasn't taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. And so back to my really (laughs) brand new awesome job in logistics, I realized that I had this perfect place to practice what I could learn. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there was those feelings, you know, being yelled at on the phone all the time. I, I know my job isn't, the, it doesn't appear to be, it's not this personal job. <laughs> it's a very, I'm a voice on a phone. And so I challenged myself, like, what can you do? What can you keep looking at? What truth can you keep finding about yourself that alters your life? And that's amazing. What power do you have that isn't dependent on anybody else? And that's what really drove me down this road of finding this work-life balance um, that really had a lot to do with life, yeah. my personal life, yeah. and then balancing work. Like, like you said, it was very, you really have to weigh that. You really have to learn to balance that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tens and tens of times a night, and then when I got on day shift, tens and tens and tens of times a day, and I'm not always perfect, and I still get extra mad at myself and have to calm myself down from being mad at myself that I wasn't perfect. Um, but I, I've had a lot of practice in the past two years. And what I have learned is that none of us have been shown how to care for ourselves. No. And I even started asking people, I just got curious. And, you know, I had to be talking to my coworkers and say, you know, what do you do to bring yourself joy? And Nika, the answer is always nothing. Yeah. It's always nothing. I haven't met a person other than you that said, yes, and this is what I do. Yeah. It's always nothing. And it, the breaks more I ask, the more, yeah, the more I ask, the more it breaks my heart. So this is what the good fight nurse is. Yeah. This is what we're here to it's address God. for us. Spirit sparks. Yeah. All over. It's so true. And finding, again, going back to passion and pain and your heartache, where your heart aches, you find that spot. And that's what you're meant to do. Yeah. And my that's heart aches for us. Yeah. My heart aches for emergency responders. Yeah. For people that deal with high stress. And I know, and it goes beyond us. I mean, yes, I'm focusing on what I know, mm-hmm. which is paramedicine and emergency medicine. Mm-hmm. But I know damn well that the floor nurses are being dragged through so many moral injuries. With COVID. So many. Yeah. COVID. So much stress. We're all in it Not together. With, without COVID. Yeah. Without COVID. Without, without, without COVID. Without COVID. Without COVID. COVID just... Put a heating pad on the pimple, I guess. It just made it come right up. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. And I think that, you know, again, what we want from this is to show you guys and be here to help guide you through some of this stuff and understand that there are tools to change your outlook and Mm -hmm. also know that you... I think for both of us, we both had, like... Uh, let's call it the dark night of the soul or a rock bottom or something that knocked us on our ass and said, it's time for change. Mm -hmm. And in order to, you know, get up, stand up and make those, get up, stand up. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Went off there. Uh, But stand up for yourself and start giving back to yourself because we give, 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 give. And that's what is expected of us at work. And it's so hard. Like, I think about the fact that we go 12 and a half hours without a break. What other profession does that? Is that okay? No. Is it okay? Like, it's to hold okay. your bladder until you're having bladder spasms and mm-hmm. it's hard to pee? <laughs> we Is put it- them first. We And we want to. That's the thing. We want to put them first. Um, and we just get so, and <laughs> we get caught up um, in it. And let's be honest here, our employers, they always want us to do that. They do. I mean, because a business is a business. And what I have found through every job I've had at EMS and as a nurse is that they just don't have the time to look out for you. Mm-hmm. We got to look out for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We got to take care of ourselves. And we take care of other people and we put other people first mm-hmm. because that's what we know, but we also deep down inside want somebody to do that for us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because we see people that are struggling and in pain and 
and tired and, you know, the mental illness and the addiction. And I'm, I'm right there by their side. And I know, like, I needed somebody to do that mm-hmm. for me. I wanted somebody to do that mm-hmm. for me. And so I, I give that to everyone else. I'm yeah. there to, to do that. And I got lucky that I had people to plant those seeds that I'm going to, you know, give a shout out to Maureen. She was huge in the peer recovery coach that was in the ER. She was huge in my healing. It, it, that was a, a big deal to me. And one of the first people that I talked to when I was doing the ECC liaison discussion for another day, but Jen Bonimer at SMH, mm-hmm. I went and sat and talked to her just to, you know, bounce some things off of her. And I, I looked at her and she, her vibrations and her aura were, were so calm and relaxed and content. And I had no fucking idea what content was. Mm. No idea. And I said, what do you do? What's the answer? How, how do I get there? Yeah. And the, what she said, the first thing she said was self-compassion. Yeah. Do the research on it and give back to yourself. We cannot pour from an empty cup. Mm. We cannot pour from an empty cup. What are you doing to fill up your cup today mm-hmm. and every day? So important. And following our joy, I found out. I found out over the past few years that that's everything. Following your joy is compassion for yourself. It's trusting yourself enough to know that what you feel inspired to go after is right for you. Mm-hmm. And being uncomfortable because. We are a society of instant gratification, and mm-hmm. let me tell you what, instant gratification is not long-term happiness. Mm-mm. It is not long-term happiness. It is something to get us to the next moment, and these are still things that I struggle with. Oh, yeah. This is not something I have conquered. If something is hard and difficult, like going to the gym or doing the next thing, writing the book, doing this podcast, if it pushes you it's probably good for you oh for sure yeah I found that out too and there's some fun in it I mean I I sit here and I know it's hard to be vulnerable and bring up those really deep dark hurtful reasons why we are sitting here but I am so fucking excited also to be sitting here because I feel as accomplished too that I was able to put some things into practice and I am a work in progress I'm not perfect I just want to live. I just want to be free. (laughs) I just want to give you a shout out. You have been kicking ass on the Good Vibe Nurse. This girl has been putting all this content out there on the on Canva, doing all the things, (laughs) getting all the quotes that we can really resonate with, and all you know. It's I appreciate you so much for bringing me to this space, asking me to do it pushing me to do it and being able to do this for each other. Yeah. Thank you for showing up. It really matters. It really matters. And you had, you mentioned, um, that needed, that we also need this. And I recently had someone, you know, witness and observe that I do talk to people about this quite often. And, and she made the comment, so this happens to you a lot, huh? And I, I was, I, it made me think, I was like, well, yeah, it does. But I think it, it's because I need it from people. Mm-hmm. I want people to come up to me and say, hey, what are you doing for joy? Mm-hmm. How is your life going? Do you need someone to talk to you? Yeah. Do you need someone to hold space for you? Because out of all the research I've done and all the life that I've lived and all the trauma that I've been through, I know that it is relationships that heal prevent trauma. Community, yeah. yeah. And when I realized that, I started making more time for friends. I started saying, okay, even if you only have five minutes to text, Mm-hmm. just text mm-hmm. and because I, I had been disconnected for so long um, I didn't even have close friends isolation really. yeah. is huge it's a big and I think that we get so isolated as you know in in the our line of work because it's hard for other people to hear and understand what we go through right like not everybody can do the job that we do see the things that we see see somebody come in with the back of their brains blown out or ran over by a motorcycle and, you know, the guts are pouring out one side or going to a sexual assault and going home and eating dinner and taking care of your kids right after that. Mm -hmm. And so we do isolate ourselves, even in 
in other ways. And that's another reason that I was like, we got to be the support group. This has yeah, to happen. Absolutely. It's time. We need I that. I, I reached out for this type of support mm-hmm. so much in my career as a paramedic and a nurse. And it was never, someone would always say, yeah, we'll have it for you. And they show up. But it's it's it was always like a blame thing. Like, well, <laughs> you're upset because you could have done this better. So go do it better. Right. <laughs> move along. Get over your feelings. Move along. This is what the job is. I cannot tell you how many times I heard, this is what the job is. Be stronger. Right. These, uh, are, yeah. these are the expectations of an emergency yeah. room nurse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as, as recently as, uh, what year did I leave the ER? Was it 2019? In 2018, I was told that I was too sensitive. Mm. And that just, oh, that was the last time I was going to let anybody say that to me, and it hurt me. Yeah. I was going to find, I was going to find a way to find power in who I was. I just mm-hmm. didn't know where that was going to go at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here it is. And this is, this is the culmination of the love I have for people. And I've always had for people is why I, I became a nurse. So I became a paramedic, but, and while I want to be here for patients and community in that way, my passion really, really lies with my colleagues mm-hmm. and my peers. Mm-hmm. That's that's where it's at right now, and that's really what this podcast is going to be about. And we're going to be, bring people on that need to have a voice, and we're going to bring people on that um, have already found their voice and, and have something to give us mm-hmm. um, that we just weren't connected with previously. And I just feel like this is going to be a really important bridge for me, mm-hmm. and hopefully for other people. And I think that your that our, our passions lie in a little bit different places, mm-hmm. but I think that it's perfect for this because mm-hmm. my passion really is, um, you know, digging into the mental health, the addiction, the abuse, the childhood trauma, and nurturing that yeah. younger self, like the inner child. And this is going to be awesome because I think our next podcast is going to be on ACEs, mm-hmm. if you don't know about it. Oh, yeah, Mika taught me some shit about that. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> Adverse childhood events. Yep. Um, we'll probably be posting some stuff about that, getting you guys ready for the next one. But with that, um, it kind of goes into why we become the caregivers and why we get into the jobs that we do and how it's affected us. So I'm excited. Yeah, yeah this has been a good one. So this is what the Good Fight Nurse is going to be. We are going to um, hopefully put one out every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our plan. And, um, yeah, yeah, we're excited. Thanks everybody for listening to the good vibe nurse. We're so grateful for your love and support wrapping you in love and light until next time. We out fans.